as I was studying yesterday, <clears throat> Lauren asked me if I was going to make the comments that everybody always makes when they get up here that I'm not the regular preacher, but I think that one will be pretty self-evident. And the comment, uh, am I going to thank the elders for giving me this opportunity? Well, I told her I can't tell a lie when I'm up here. I don't think thankful is a word I want to use, but uh, I'm up here. But Bob gave me permission this morning to use that one, so. If you'll turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, that's where we'll, we'll begin tonight. <clears throat> so our lectureship, this theme this year, is to follow the Lamb wherever He goes, which comes from Revelation 14.4, which says, these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. So far we follow Jesus to the temple to see Jesus' statement that I must be about my Father's business. We followed Him to the Jordan to show His baptism. We followed Him to the wilderness to show how to handle temptation. And we followed Him to Galilee, showing Him teaching and proclaiming the Gospel. Tonight we're going to follow Jesus to Caesarea Philippi, where He asked the Apostles, who do people say I am? So Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. <clears throat> when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. So, the apostles were witness, witnesses to Jesus being the Christ, they were with Him. They were able to see His powers. They were able to hear Him teach. But what are some of the other witnesses that we have, or there, there are? <clears throat> so in John chapter 5, verse 31, 32, it says, If I testify, testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies about me, and I know that the testimony He gives about me is valid. So in John 5, 33, we see the one of the witnesses to Jesus is John the Baptist. When you have sent messengers to John, he has testified the truth. Another witness is the works of Jesus, but I have a greater testimony than John's because of the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. We also see that the Father is a witness. <clears throat> this Father who sent me him, has himself testified about me. You have not heard his voice at any time, and you haven't seen his form. And we also see the scriptures are another witness to Jesus. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, yet they testify about me. So today we have the scriptures, which is God's word to us as our witness. So what, with our topic tonight of why we, do we believe after the proclamation that Jesus was the Christ, what does the Bible tell us about belief? <clears throat> in John chapter 20, starting in verse 30, 
we see the purpose of the Gospels, where Jesus says, where John says, sorry, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. They're not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. <clears throat> we also see in Acts chapter 4, after hearing Peter and John's preaching, that several, but many of those who heard the message believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. We also see in Ephesians 1, 13, that they believed from hearing the message, which was when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So God's Word, which is the Bible, was very important to us in our belief. So what comes from believing that Jesus is the Christ? We are given the opportunity for eternal life with God. So let's look at a few verses now from the Gospel of John that discuss that. So in John 5, 24, it says, I assure you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. In John 6 and 47, anyone who I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. And on down in John 6, verses 66 through 69, mentions, from that moment many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Therefore Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And back in John 3, in verse 16, probably one of the most widely known verses about belief, statement was made, for God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only, his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So those are some verses, just a few of the verses that talks about having that ability to have eternal life and spend time with God when we believe upon him. So if we continue reading in John chapter 3, after verse 16, if we start in 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world, that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. So even in the verse in 16, where it mentions that those that believe upon Jesus will have eternal life, it goes on to talk about the unbelievers, that if they do not believe, they will be condemned. So what else happens to those who don't believe Jesus is the Christ? Down in verse 36 of John chapter 3, it mentions the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life, Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. And then if we turn to Matthew chapter 16, 
sorry, Mark chapter 16. In a verse that discusses what it must do to be saved, but it also talks about non-believers. Mark 15, Mark 16, sorry, verse 15 and 16. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So there we see those who are not believers will be condemned. The, Mark, the passage of Mark shows us that there is more than just believing. So let's continue this thought. Let's turn to James chapter 2. So in James chapter 2, starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. Even the demons also believe, and they shudder. So we see here that faith in itself, or belief in itself, is not the only thing, because the demons believed. If we turn back to Turn back to uh, Luke and the third chapter of Luke. We see one of these examples with the demons. And I probably do not have the correct. That should be Luke chapter 4, sorry. Luke chapter 4, starting verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit, who cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So even the demons believed. The demons knew exactly who Jesus was. So belief only is not enough. We turn back to James in chapter 1 of James. Starting in verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, and perseveres in it, and is not forgetful here, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. 
If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and unfiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So in James chapter 2, or here we see that we are to be doers and not just hearers of the words. In James chapter 2, verse 20, starting, we see an example of faith and works together. And it says, Foolish man, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. <clears throat> and he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works, and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So there must be works also. We must be doers of the word. So what is asked of us to believe in and love God? We are told to keep His commandments. So in 1 John chapter 5, Starting in verse 1. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Sorry, I went too far back. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is to keep his commands. Now his commands are not a burden, because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So we're told here in this verse, obey his commands, to keep his commands, and they won't be a burden. And this is what we'll do if we love God. So how do we become children of God, as it says in this verse? Well, first thing we can do is to hear His Word. From Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So listening to God's Word, hearing God's Word, studying God's Word, we're able to come under, to understand and have that faith and belief that we need to. And then if, to believe in Christ. From Hebrews 11, verse 6, Now with faith it is impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek Him. And also we are to confess that Jesus is the Christ. With Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. 
And then from Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching to them, they were asked what they must do after hearing what they had done to Christ in Acts 2, starting verse 37. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. A generous and growing church was what they had. So this is those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And then when Paul and Silas were in prison, the Philippian jailer, seeing that all the prisoners were still there, asked what they must, he must do to be saved. So in Acts 16, and starting verse 30, he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away he and his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he, believed, he had believed God with his entire household. And we see that there was that immediate, same hour of the night he went and was baptized. So what about after becoming children of God? How do we go about keeping the commands as we read in 1 John chapter 5? Well, one way is to encourage one another and spend time with each other, as in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we need to spend time with each other. We need to come to the worship meetings, to our assembly when we have them, so that we can encourage each other. And I know it's always a great encouragement to be together. And then we need to remember that not everyone who thinks that they are saved will be, that we must do his commandments. If we read Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you depart from me, you lawbreakers. So we are to spend time doing God's will. Just believing is not enough. But we just can't sit back and do nothing as we see here. We do not do the works so that we earn our salvation. We'll never be perfect enough to earn our salvation. 
but we are to obey God's commandments. As we read back in James chapter 2 with the example of Abraham, God commanded him to offer a sacrifice to Isaac, and Abraham did it, and he was called righteous. So to sum up why we believe, from hearing, reading, and learning God's words, we have what we need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that He is God's Son, that Son who came to this earth for the sacrifice of our sins. And from that belief, we can work to keep His commandments so we might have eternal life with God. And that is actually all I have to say tonight. It's just a shame Kevin wasn't here to see that you can actually do a quick sermon, but maybe he'll watch it one day. So with that, we never want to end a service without giving an invitation. Are we on that path to eternal life with God? Are there those here tonight who have not started on their path? They have not obeyed the gospel yet? Are there those on the path that have strayed and need prayers? We are here to help, and if anyone is in need, please come forward as we stand and sing.